Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. I've got two guests today, Ed Clay and Scott Nelson. Uh, just right off the bat, how many times have your names been mentioned on the Joe Rogan podcast? Uh, have you guys know, actually man. done a count? I don't yeah. know. I never have done a count. But <laughs> someone just sent me one that I didn't even, I've never even heard uh, myself randomly. Somebody on Instagram uh, hit me up. I met them uh, at the last UFC whatever said hi and then he was like oh did you know that uh joe rogan talked about you with eddie bravo and uh gary tonin and i was like no what episode is that so he sent me the link and uh and you i guys missed have, that one like three years ago you guys haven't been on his podcast yet nope. no that's got to change because I mean, yeah. he talk, he's talking i went there, there's a number of clips where he talks about what you guys were doing especially eddie bravo and and, and, and both of you so you know i'm excited today because uh you know one of the things I never opened my aperture to is alternative medicine. And recently, you know, about a year ago, came down and did the Ibogaine uh, treatment in Mexico, um, as well as 5-MeO-DMT, which was just absolutely spiritual from a trauma per perspective. But what you guys are doing is uh, is amazing. I want to get into the backstory. But, I mean, everyone knows what stem cells are. I don't think they totally understand how, you know, how they're an alternative form of medicine and how they're they're... they're you know, providing longevity to people's careers. So I, I really want to dive into that. But uh, before we do that, I want to get into both your backgrounds. Uh, Ed, we'll start with you. Just, you know, where you came from, what led you to this sort of uh, arena? Yeah, so, uh, gosh, I started training mixed martial arts when I was young. I started wrestling when I was 11, boxing when I was 13, Brazilian jiu-jitsu 15, Muay Thai 18. And uh, opened my mixed martial arts school when I was 20, ended up being one of the largest in the country, uh, close to a thousand students, uh, started Gameness, which is, uh, was the largest yeah. supplier of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu martial arts uniforms in the world for a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, built all that up and sold everything in 2011 and 2012. Also those two, those two things specifically. And so, um, my mom, i uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned Ibogaine because in uh, 2008, I tore my LCL, PCL men meniscus, uh, training fighters. And, uh, I had team doctors, they got me on opiates. And so uh, for about two years I was taking, went to stop one day and went through a withdrawal and, uh, experienced that, uh, a number of times in the next six months, wasn't able to stop. So I went to a therapist. I said, Hey, I'm completely functional running my companies, but I'd rather have a clear brain and deal with the pain than a foggy brain and no pain. And, uh, he said, America is behind the times when it comes to opiate withdrawal, Google Ibogaine. And so, uh, I Googled it and I was like, huh, I was skeptical. It's, it supposedly stopped all opiate withdrawals and uh, one of the strongest you know, psychedelics uh, in the world. And uh, then I watched a couple documentaries. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. So I took a plane to Mexico City. I uh, took a bus two hours south, did Ibogaine in somebody's bedroom. I was home 72 hours later, never had a withdrawal, never had a craving. And uh, I thought to myself, wow, if this can work so well uh, and it is not legal in America, not available, what else is out there? Uh, my mom, who you met, uh, she has a rare form of rheumatoid arthritis. Um, so much, uh, she uh, got multiple staph infections from the side effects mm -hmm. of the medications, mm -hmm. uh, broke her back on a short fall, got tuberculosis because of the side effects of the medications. And so we were in a big search for her, kind of making a longer story short. Uh, it was a treatment called Coley's toxins for rheumatoid arthritis that I had read a study about in 1923. And... Uh, uh, there was no hospital that had it except this one hospital in, in Tijuana, Mexico that had closed down uh, a year or two before. And so Scott, uh, Dedrick, and I basically found the owner, 
um, uh, bought the hospital from him, hired back some of the original staff. My mom came in a wheelchair, first patient, second patient, came in a wheelchair, left three weeks later walking, uh, and has been in remission now for seven years. So Ibogaine was the catalyst of all of that. And mm -hmm. we actually did Ibogaine in this hospital as the first licensed hospital to, to, to do it too, because we wanted it in, a, in a licensed facility. No kidding. Yeah. Is it, so you did it in somebody's bedroom yeah. in, in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, was it just sort of very, that doesn't sound like it's the best setting to do Ibogaine. You know, it was a special place. It's called yeah. Tepeslan, Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's a little, uh, uh, a little mountain town, about two, two and a half hours south of Mexico City. And uh, it, was, it was a great setting, actually. Uh, very peaceful, very yeah. spiritual. And I remember as I was going through it, there were fireworks going on all night in this neighborhood. And I thought mm. the freaking Mexican army was coming in or something. I was tripping, basically. And uh, I'm like, what's going on here? And then I realized they assured me that that was not happening. But yeah. uh, that was probably like the weirdest thing that happened during that, that experience. Did you, did you ever do it again? Two other times, yes. Two other times? Yes. I've, I've heard, I was just talking to a SEAL buddy who's down to it twice. He said the second time was, was amazing. It was almost like uh, he had a guide and he was asking him questions. They were guiding him through this, <clears throat> this sort of wormhole and answering the questions. Yes. Do you feel like you can control it a lot more on the second time? You know, the, the first time I had that guide. Uh, oh, more no so than the second time uh, for me. And uh, yeah, I was asking some very specific questions. I... I, I learned a lot about myself. I had big fears of my parents dying that I didn't mm -hmm. really know about, mm -hmm. and I wasn't uh, experiencing without that with them with them dying without them knowing how much I loved them. They meant to me, and that was like a big conversation that I was having, and it was very emotional. Uh, but it was like also a release mm -hmm. when it was over because I was carrying around uh, you know a number of different things from growing up you know, as we do in life, and uh, you know really kind of getting in, in touch with those things and letting them go. Call my mom and dad, crying like, hey, you know. In case you didn't know, you mean the world to me, you know? Yeah. And that was, it was, it was an amazing experience. Well, I consider myself lucky that I was with uh, mom and pop, uh, Clay. That's awesome. They, I didn't know until this morning. Okay. And uh, they're like, yeah, we didn't want to uh, overly announce it. Uh, good people. Yeah. So you guys have known each other a pretty long time then. If you, so the hospital you bought was Chipsa. Yep. Oh, I'm yeah. assuming. Yep. Oh, yeah, it was Chipsa. So you guys tracked down the previous owner. The building still existed, a lot of the equipment. And you, you basically bought it from the previous owner and stood back up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were looking for a, a way as well to do a, a licensed uh, hospital to where we could do Ibogaine as well. So, um, you know, that, that it kind of all fell into place. It was like so many things were, uh, you know, you call them coincidences, but they mm -hmm. all kind of came into place. We had known about this one place and we had been kind of looking, but we kind of stumbled upon it as well. So, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was an interesting way it all happened. We, Scotty actually uh, got me involved in a leadership program, and it was part of uh, my 100-day, uh, we call it a PSP, Personal Strategic Plan, to achieve these goals. And, I mean, we were just, you know, we're grinders. So we just put a plan together, focused, did my meditations every morning, and, uh, you grinded know. Grinded it out. Grinded it out, made yeah. it happen. <laughs> so, it, well, first off, we got to come back to that leadership thing because sure. that, that is my passion. But, yeah. Scott, what, what, what's your backstory, man? Oh, man, uh, where to start, you know, like, well, I've been involved in like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in the fight world since uh, like 95. Um, I have the oldest running on the mat dot com like yes. website. Yeah. Uh, don't do too much with it uh, anymore. But, you know, pre YouTube and stuff, we were the spot. 
and started out marketing uh, VHS tapes, actually. I, I put a few uh, fights up on the internet. It was pre, you know, uh, high-speed internet. You had to have them and download it overnight. And, um, yeah, you know, then I got an email from someone's like, I'll pay you 40 bucks to put those fights on a VHS tape and send it to me. I'm like, okay. And, uh, you know, that kind of just sprawled into a, uh, you know, I started, uh, you know, first with the videos, then with the apparel, with the with the gear. Uh, Ed was already manufacturing gameness uh, in Pakistan. I ended up having a crazy trip. I went to Pakistan to make uh, jujitsu geese. Thought I was going to get kidnapped one night, like all kinds of fun stuff uh, like that. And, um, you know, then that turned into to, uh, a chain of retail stores, had 13 stores yeah. at one yes. time. And... Um, you know, just uh, kind of like Ed and I have been besties forever. And when he was doing this project, I actually went down to Tempa Salon too, to, uh, which is an amazing spot to do Ibogaine down there when he was doing that um, down there and then getting, on vol- getting involved with this. Uh, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into when I first, uh, when I first got started. Um, didn't really know anything about cancer treatment, alternative cancer treatment, autoimmune, any of these things. Um, but... You don't, you know, like I, I always loved jujitsu because if I could drag somebody to the mat and they trained long enough, it didn't matter what was going on in their life, right? Like, you know, if they're angry, sad, not confident, you know, whatever it is, need to be humbled, diet problems, overweight, like the mat fixes everything, right? You get a brotherhood of friends and people around you, you get in shape, you get confidence, you learn how to learn, you learn how to create strategies, all of these uh, things that are really good. And I love that it changed people's life. That's really why I pushed uh, and, and was involved in martial arts. And then, you know, when it when it came down here, and uh, you start meeting patients who the medical system has given up on them. Yes. And so, you know, we we're fighters, and we always look at this as a chance. Like, let's let's build somewhere where people can fight. If you really want to live, we want to be your team. We want to be your coaches, and uh, and we want to uh, give you that spot where where you could fight and uh you'll never forget the first cancer patient that came back down here and and uh you know she came in a wheelchair full of edema and lots of pain she was allergic to chemotherapy so the doctors gave up on her and uh, she was here about three four weeks you know left walking had her life back got to go home to her three kids and her husband uh no not cancer free that quick but like on the path you know what i mean uh, it's rare for someone to become completely cancer-free in just three weeks because the people that come here are terminal, right? They're at the usually at the worst possible spot. So um, it's it's a process for everybody to get, you know, to get to that uh, what we call durable remission. Um, but she was, you know, told she had a month to live. She was told to go here, take a bunch of pain pills, go home, and get your fares in together. Call hospice, and. Um, you know, to get that chance to uh, go back and be with her family and and her kids and stuff is is like, hey, you know, there's something going on here. You know what I mean? And it's been uh, that's got to impact really, you guys pretty pretty substantially. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the, the highs. Are, the highs are the really really high, and you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. We're always doing the best we can to make it work better for every person that that we can. But you know, this is uh, stage four terminal cancer. You know, it's there's nobody has a great solution right 
So first off, I got to say most most people listen to this podcast; they don't watch it on YouTube. So uh, if you look at Ed and uh, and Scott, one they've got cauliflower ears. Uh, I can't stress enough, guys. Uh, I always tell people if you're in a bar and you're about to get in a fight and the person has cauliflower ears, consider this a public service announcement. Walk the other direction unless you're a really good boxer. Uh, it's, it's a joke. But so it's interesting. I mean, you guys are fighters. You're also, it sounds like serial entrepreneurs, but really within, you know, the fight industry, either, uh, you know, commercial goods, skis. Uh, you know, sort of e-commerce and the videos for uh, on the mat. That seems like one hell of a leap from what you guys were doing to, to you know, buying Chipsa. I mean, was it solely for your mom at that point? It was. It was a mix uh, between that and and Ibogaine. You know, yes, yeah. it was. It was uh, and it, it didn't seem at the time. It didn't seem like a leap uh, when we were actually like uh, looking to raise money. And people were telling us no. I was like, "What is? They don't see the the vision, you know." Uh, you know, now looking back, it was a leap, but I'm kind of glad because you know, if you think about the early days of the UFC, I like to use this analogy. Uh, you know, Hoist Gracie. I always wanted to know what style of martial arts was the best martial arts. Yes. You know, was it kung fu, karate? And uh, the UFC came. I was like, "Oh, we finally get to see this." And it was this Brazilian guy that came in and choked everybody out. I'm like, what in the world? He's like, oh, it's jujitsu. And then, uh, the, you know, the rest, uh, the wrestlers came in. They learned how to defend the submissions. And then the kickboxers learned how to defend the takedowns. They're knocking out the wrestlers. And then it evolved into this MMA that we know today. And so when we went into this, it was our, like where we were at, what works and what doesn't work. Uh, I believed in Coley's toxins. I had read the research mm-hmm. and the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a lot of research on Gerson therapy, which we don't do to that, that extent anymore, but uh, there wasn't a lot of research on it. But I still had these anecdotal cases. I'm like, this, I, I believe this is working for some people. And so when we started doing it, uh, you know, we got to see what worked and what didn't work. And we would have people that were sent home to die and we would extend their life. You know, rarely uh, is a, are they, you know, like a stage four terminal cancer patient with a month to live, are they going to be living, you know, two years, three years? But you know, if you're able to extend somebody's life by six months a year, you know, that's a, that's a win. Like, um, you know, and, and so uh, we started seeing that, but, you know, you have the alternative side and the conventional side. And the conventional side likes to throw giant stones at the alternative side. The alternative side throw giant stones at the conventional side. Neither side has a great answer for terminal cancer. And the egos get in the way. And it's like, I'd rather build bridges than walls. Like, how do we work together? And so we started uh, emailing different scientists on papers that we would read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because uh, nobody really talks about their papers. I don't think nobody, many people read these papers. And so it's like, oh, hey, you, you're doing this immunotherapy. How's this working? Here's what we're working on, et cetera. And, uh, you know, uh, what works and what doesn't work. So we started bringing in clinical trials uh, from the United States. And um, one of the companies we were working with, a company called Batu Biologics at the time, uh, they had a Nobel Prize winner on their board. They had a guy named Francisco Marincola, who's the former chief of infectious disease and yes. immunogenetics for the National Institute of Health. Um, they had Vijay Mahant, uh, one of the top uh, uh, geneticists, and you know started building relationships with a lot of these guys. And they came down to Chips, and they're like, "Whoa, this is really cool. You're doing translational medicine." And uh, Franco is, is also the uh, founder and editor-in-chief of the Journal of Translational Medicine. <clears throat> and um, so just started evolving, and, and it was, it was, it's, it's been an evolution to always get better. And now we're at a state where we have a CGMP lab. 
you know, we're making our own cellular therapeutics. 2023 is going to be, I think, a breakthrough year for us because we're going to be moving a lot into a clinical trial model for most things, not the joints and stuff, but clinical trial model for the induced pluripotent stem cells we're working on, uh, which is going to be a, a, a big deal. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to get some of these therapeutics uh, through the FDA process. That's the, that's the big goal. So do you guys see yourselves more as coalition builders between the conventional and alternative me- medicine rather yeah. than, than, than banking on, on one particular uh, yeah, sort of I, modality? I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. How, how do you build bridges and, you know, keep the ego out? And, you know, a lot of times we're working on the same things. We're That's interesting coming from a bunch of fighters where you usually, you know, you, you think. Mm, I don't know. You know, like the if you want to be a good are, fighter, you got to have an open mind. Yeah. And you got to be open yeah. to coaching and. You know, if you're going to fight, I always say, if you're going to fight a karate guy, you better have the best karate guy trading you yeah. and the best anti-karate yeah. guy. Well, we got homeopaths and we got oncologists. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's about as opposite as you get. No, that's right. The uh, you, you said something earlier that, uh, you know, somebody said that, you know, America's behind the times mm-hmm. with a lot of these, you know, alternative modalities and, and, and whatnot. Um, is that just part of the, you know, for a layman who doesn't know much about the medical world is that just legalities regulations restrictions uh let's say uh, an allergic reaction to to some of the things that that take place in other countries like mexico uh yeah i I think i think so i mean we have very strict regulations i think the fda has actually done a good job the last 10 years they've been opening up a lot i mean uh not getting into the whole covid thing but you know we saw though that if they wanted to get something through they could get it through with those emergency use authorizations and um, it's like, well, hey, uh, if you can do it for this, why can't we do this for some cancer therapeutics or some other things? So, but they've been loosening up. They they passed uh, Congress passed Right to Try in 2017 that has not been used since uh, Trump left office. But you know, if people kind of kind of forgot about that legislation, but that is still there. That's still the law of the land in, in the United States. I think that opened a lot of things up. That says that any drug that's been through a phase one, the patient can ask the pharmaceutical company for it and the pharmaceutical company can give it to them. So, uh, you know, if they have a life threatening disease. Um, so a lot of those things they're opening up and I think it's getting better. Um, but, uh, you know, that's really what it is. The regulations are so tough. It takes 10 to 15 years to get, you know, something Something through. So by the time you get that, you know, we, Mexico might have had it for 10 or 15 years. And I mean, Scott, we were talking about this earlier, the, the right to try. I mean, but that's if you have access to some of these drugs in the testing phase, which a lot of, I can assume, the average American doesn't have access to. Or that's well, probably takes, lately. It takes the doctor getting a recommendation and making yeah. it happen, yeah. And so the, the doctor has to be knowledgeable of what, what's, what's in testing and what's out there. Yeah, I mean, I guess patients can do their research and find stuff, but most of them probably, you know, don't at that level. Um, you know, that's what our goal was when we were planning to move into the U.S. was to make that, uh, you know, make that uh, available to people, um, make them more aware of what was uh, what was available and what they could, what their options were. Right. So, do most of your patients find you guys, or is it a referral from from their their, their doctors? I don't know that we get too many referrals from doctors. We get a lot of patient-to-patient referrals, tons uh, of those. Um, And, yeah, people just, you know, especially in the cancer world and also in the STEM world, you know, people, when they're not happy with what the quality of treatment that they're getting at home and they want to feel better, Mm -hmm. uh, they they turn to the Internet and they go looking for new new things. So 
guys, you know, um, explain to me cellul- the Cellular uh, Performance Institute. Is that a, that's a subset under Chipsa, uh, a department? Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, yes. It's it's uh, it's it's not ex- exactly under Chipsa, but it's a it's a separate Entity. company. But it's yeah. uh, we're we're operating here out of out of Chipsa right now. Chipsa. Yeah. And, and the focus of the CPI is mainly athletes, combat athletes. Is that is that accurate? You know, currently, so I think, you know, next year, uh, 2023, it'll be a, a little bit different because like right now we're doing joints and those type of things, mm-hmm. but we're building an awesome interventional radiology suite on the first floor that should be done. Hopefully will be done by the end of the year. Uh, that's some of the build out that you're starting to see with the, with the, uh, everything up. But, um, you know, we'll have, uh, we just bought a really great angiography, uh, so we can, uh, inject stem cells and hearts and livers, um, you know, in, uh, uh, pancreas uh, injections and those type of things, and um, you know, really getting like, for instance, heart disease is the number one cause of death over yes. cancer. So, uh, you know, the idea would be to inject the heart with stem cells and uh, you know, hopefully regenerate that tissue that may might have died. Not to the point uh, that, for instance, you're curing heart disease because there have been actually some uh, reasonably good studies on on this. You know, the injections into the heart. Uh, but you can cha- you know sometimes take an injection fraction and uh, you know take it from 20% to let's say 35% and then you know it's the difference between people not being able to stand up or walk to the car and being able to go to the grocery store and so that's what we're looking at with that and then uh, you know when we do the induced pluripotent stem cells uh, which will be under clinical trial uh, making cardiomyocytes so making beating heart cells uh, making liver no cells kidding. making all those different type of of cells and uh, you know, doing those trials fast. So it takes right now about five years to get a trial done in the U.S. Phase One, but we'll be able to do that in 12 months in Mexico. Yep. So we'll be able to you know get it done fast and really translate that research into something that's meaningful for for the world. Now, for Mexico, are they just very supportive uh, of the research you guys are doing and in, in, in expediting things? Yeah, so well, we have uh, our licensing to uh, we have our you know cellular licensing, so mm-hmm. we're able to to do those those type of, of treatments in Mexico. So they've been, you know, they were one of the first uh, to really you know embrace the cellular therapies, and uh, you know there's been a lot of great research out of Mexico. Like dendritic cells have been done since probably 2000 at Chipsa. The first dendritic cell vaccine that was approved in America was 2010 with uh, Provenge. So Chipsa was doing it. 10 years before that, that those doctors won a Nobel prize in 2011. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, if, especially if you get to the higher level science that can be done here and translated fast. And, and that's what we're about to do. We're about to build a world-class genomics lab. Uh, we're building, you know, it's going to have proteomics, um, bioinformatics. Uh, we're going to be bringing, this is going to be like a translational haven, uh, for yeah, just translating this high level medicine, Fast, so we can make these discoveries. We can get them uh, to humans. We can save people's lives. We can extend their lives and make a difference. So, there's got to be a stigma with stem cells in the United States. I think a very back stigma of when people think stem, they they think fetuses, which is wildly inaccurate for stem cells these days. Uh, Walk me through the difference between stem cells you find in the United States versus what you would find here in Mexico. Yeah. So, um, so you have like where you we have a mesenchymal stem cell. Uh, it comes from the umbilical cord lining. So, uh, full birth uh, umbilical cord that's donated after birth, um, and then uh, you know we can expand them in Mexico. In the United States, 
uh, you're not allowed to expand those. So let's say you're getting, they say, oh, you're getting 10 million stem cells. You may only be getting one to 3% of the, the, the 10 million. And there's other growth factors and good things in there, but, but it's, it's not what we're, we're not expand, they're not ex able to expand them and uh, give you all 10 million stem cells. You know, that's number one. Um, <clears throat> as far as the, the debate on the, the uh, fetuses, um, that came from embryonic stem cells. Yes. And those are what's called pluripotent stem cells. So, um, which, you know, has, has its controversy. Uh, but that's not at all what we're doing. But we are going to make induced pluripotent stem cells. And that is taking an umbilical cord lining and uh, making it more primitive to where it's a, it's a pluripotent stem cell, adding, you know, uh, proteins and those type of things to where you're able to make those other cells. Um, so it's uh, taking away the debate of the, uh, you know, abortion, those type of yes, things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're not doing that yet. But so, but that, that, that's where the debate was over, you know, over the embryonic stem cells. And I think that where the science is now, we can not have that, that part of the debate yes. anymore. Yeah. Walk, walk me through the, the, the benefits of stem, stem cells for the, uh, the listeners. And then I want to also, I know usually it's a five day protocol here at CPI. Sure. If that's accurate. Walk, walk me through the, uh, the benefits sort of maybe past clients you've seen and, and the results. How about I tell my got? story? Yeah. So, uh, Love it, dude. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Basically, I, I broke my back in 2000. And, well, actually, I probably broke it long before. I was training, actually, uh, with Rafael Lovato, who you met here down in Brazil. Broke my ribs. Hurt so bad for my ribs when I went to the hospital in Brazil. Didn't speak enough Portuguese at that time. But I could point at my ribs and say, it hurt right here. Got x-rays. Uh, had, had two ribs that were floating and, and, uh, and two that were fractured. Uh, what I didn't know at the time is that I had fractured three of my vertebrae because I never had my vertebrae. Uh, and then as time went on, I just kept training and everything. And uh, the final straw was I was in actually in China, uh, 2009, running down an escalator, and I felt a massive pop in my back. One of my discs had ruptured, S1L5. Uh, got back to the U.S., uh, tried everything I could figure out not to have surgery, but basically I had a piece of the disc that was lodged in my spinal cord that had to be taken off and so I needed some disectomies. I did the surgery, couldn't really walk for eight months, got this beautiful gray hair for the first time, <laughs> got fat for the first time in my life and um, it took me about two years before I get back on the mat and train and I, you know, I lost a lot of core strength a lot um, from that. Three years after that, I was back to just as bad as I was yeah. pre pre-surgery and over time it just kept getting worse and worse um so uh when i found out there was a chance i could do stem cells in my back here i had three of my discs uh injected um i could feel the pressure come off went in the procedure of getting the stem cells injected i felt like i got taller and i felt pressure coming off my nerves uh still a painful procedure um but within three or four days i was without nerve pain for the first time in 12 years uh, in my life. A couple weeks as the stiffness uh, wore off, uh, I just kept getting better and better. Um, I had an MRI before I had it done. Uh, I had an MRI done at uh, month three, uh, and then I got a, an MRI done right about the 12 month mark. And, uh, you know, the, the, I'm happy to share the MRIs with anybody that wants to see them. I know I'm just one case, but the regrowth of the discs in my back uh, that you see on the MRI, our, our interventional radiologist was like, if I looked at your 
MRI number one pre to 12 months, he's like, I never would have believed it's the same person. He's like, if I didn't know you personally, there's no way you could convince me because I had that much healing um, in the discs um, in my back. And so, I mean, for me, I was starting to think I was going to be, be crippled. You know, I had a lot of sciatic pain. Sometimes my back would give out. Uh, sometimes my calf would uh, twitch so much yeah. it would cramp up and I would, my toes would be pointed, locked. And, um, you know, it was terrible. But, like, you know, now I'm great, great. You know, Ed and I go out kiteboarding. I got a new electric mountain bike. I'm out riding that thing around, you know. And I still got to be a little bit a little bit careful. I did have five really bad discs. So I went mm-hmm. in a second time uh, and injected two of the same discs and the one above it. And, uh, you know, one of the great things about our stem cells is that they are hypoxic, meaning that they need a lot less oxygen to live. Not a lot of blood flow inside of a disc, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, and what I spent with insurance on back surgery and physical therapy was more than it would have cost to get a stem cell treatment here, so... And, and at the time, you got the stem cells at this clinic, or I was the first person to get my get their. Uh, well, you know, we can't. I gotta do it on me first yeah. before I'm gonna do it on anybody yeah. else. So yeah, I got that done. I've had my knee done um, as well, and uh, you know, nothing works for everybody, right? But my experience is that um, we're getting really great results for people. People who are athletes yeah. tend to have better results maybe they know their body better maybe they understand it a little bit better take care of it a little bit better but yeah well it seems like you guys have a massive following within the the mma world as well as wrestling and and pro athletes uh i mean have you guys i know you're you're collecting a lot of data and you've built a panel of just all-stars from the data you're seeing what's what's sort of the success rate or is that is that sort of a loaded question well you know Next year, we're going to publish, and uh, we'll be able to, to tell that. Uh, and I, I say that because, you know, we see so many cool cases, but I don't want to say the wrong number. Yeah. But, so we're allowing people to come back at month three mm-hmm. uh, for free 30 million stem cells, and we pay for their MRIs because we're going to collect. We're going to be collecting that data, and then we're going to publish. But, I mean, we've you know, it, it's going to be more cases than not <laughs> that, uh, you know, we're seeing – you know, people heal. The discs are really incredible. I think in the last year, I, th- I can, I know of one person, mm-hmm. one of our friends didn't get a response on his disc, but is there, a, can you think of another person? No. no. So that's one out of, I don't know how many, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't get a response. But w- once we see the MRIs, we can say, okay, they had a 25% reduction. They had a complete, like his was completely, looks normal now. And, uh, you know, so w- whenever we get all that data and we can uh, put it all together, yeah. Uh, then we'll have it. I don't mean to, you know, be like I don't know, but no, I really no, don't know. <laughs> no, I totally understand. How long have you guys been collecting the uh, the data? Um, intensely, intensely the last three months. Last three months. Yes. But before that, uh, you know, the hardest part was getting people to come back for their MRIs. So they're feeling good. Yeah, but we don't people have, feel great. They don't, don't want to come back. back. So we got to give them an ethical bribe to come back. Right, I'm going <laughs> to give you something for free. More free stem cells that fixed you. Because we want, you know, the, the data for us is like winning the fight in, in martial arts, right? Yeah. Like the only way you prove that you're doing it is to prove that you're doing it. Well, we need the data, the MRIs and everything to do it. Just having somebody say, hey, I feel amazing. Yeah. So but you, you, I mean, in terms of like a business uh, sort of principle, your repeatability of clients coming back is, is pretty damn high. 
I mean, we, I, I think we do a great job. You know what I mean? Like our staff is amazing yeah. right here. Our product is amazing. I think we have a package that we've put together. Some people call it biohacking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that uh, since we have our own pharma- compounding pharmacy here, we're making everything in-house. We have our own cellular lab. We're making everything in-house. Um, we have probably the biggest hyperbaric chamber that out of anywhere. So uh, I think, you know, the, the package that you're doing was really for us post-COVID. We went to all of our scientific advisors and our doctors, we were burnt, you know what I mean, from working the whole time. And I was just like, look, I need to feel great again. You know, if you were me and you had a week at Chipsa, what would you do? And they put that together, that whole protocol that you're doing now with the IV ozone, Myers cocktail, hyperbaric oxygen, NAD, stem cells, pulse electromagnetic field, infrared therapy, all in a one week package. And uh, that's how it started was, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I started telling my friends about it and stuff. And people were like, I want to come do it too. Well, and, and let's talk through that because I've had PRP done in the, uh, the United States. PRP for platelet-rich uh, plasma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's come in, they pull your blood, they spin it, and then they put it into whatever joint you're doing. But you guys have a five-day protocol. Do you mind if we cover that? Just to no, show sure. the, I mean, just the intensity of what you guys are doing. Sure. Mm-hmm. So one day one was a lot of administrative stuff, blood tests, things along those lines. Uh, but you hit us with a um, a Myers cocktail, the ozone, um, uh, IV, uh, the NAD plus. Which talk to the listeners about NAD plus because you guys do that in house. And yeah. I know you have to do it in house because the shelf life of NAD plus is, is pretty short. Yep. Um, and you guys are big on NAD plus, which I know has been an up and coming, uh, uh, I don't want to say drug. What's, what's the correct term? Yeah, it's, a, it's a therapeutic, the ther- I guess therapeutic it's drug. Yeah. What, what is it about NAD plus that you guys love so much? And you're doing that pretty much every day of the, uh, the five days. It's like rocket fuel for the, for the mitochondria, you know? So it's, it's just increasing this ATP and the energy in the mm-hmm. cells. Uh, it's shown to reset the uh, circadian rhythm in a lot of people. Uh, helps you know with, with sleep a lot. Um, helps with uh, you know brain fog. Um, so uh, some of our friends with like COVID long haulers, yeah, um, they're taking an 80 plus and seeing uh, good results. Um, yeah, just uh, DNA repair as well. Yes. So I mean, there's there's a lot of great things about NAD plus. Uh, you know, we like it fresh. So um, you know what other places might do, they might you know might be three, four, five, six month old. Um, we cut ours off right at three. There's, nobody's getting anything older. And most of it is within the first two to four weeks. Yeah. Uh, so we're making it fresh constantly. And I can tell, actually tell a difference, yeah. you know, with the fresh. You feel have you it. done it somewhere else? So I, I did. Yeah. But I notice? definitely felt uh, I, I had to ask to slow the drip. That's just because yeah. I'm, I'm a big ass wuss. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I don't think but, so. Because like, we have a lot of people that come down here do NAD other places. I got one guy comes back every three months just for that. Yeah. And uh, they all say the same like, oh, this freshness, it's different. It's different. You know? are, you, are you guys doing personally? Are you doing that on a weekly basis? Uh, yeah, he does it more than I do it every other week. You know? Every other week. I do it every as week. As soon as my eyes start hurting, I do NAD and my eyes like, get better. It's uh, I wish it lasted a little longer but I, I it really does it helps my eye i'm staring at computers all day long and uh man it helps and i can see how clear or light your eyes yeah. are right now did you notice that well, and you said it the other day yeah. you know what i've been really impressed of the five days it's almost like it's a concierge service your staff has been awesome i know wednesday which were the, today's thursday yet wednesday was the injection day i had both my knees done my right hip both my shoulders 
Uh, your staff was awesome. The process was not as painful as I thought. It was actually pretty smooth. Last night was a little rough, but that's to be expected with the pressure in the, in, in the joints. But you guys do a great job with the uh, the pain management. And so it's been less than 24 hours. And the only thing I can feel is the, uh, the stiffness. But going back to the PRP clinics I went to, mm-hmm. they didn't do the, uh, you know, the NAD+. Plus. You guys also have the hyperbaric uh, chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the PEMF and... Um, and then the uh, the sauna. Explain why those you you add those three protocols to your stem cell therapy and keep people here for for five days. Yeah, I mean, so we're looking for things that are synergistic with the stem cells. So there's studies that show that uh, hyperbaric oxygen increases uh, stem cells by up to 400 uh, percent, PEMF uh, up to 200 percent. Um, so you know, those are increasing your, you know, your, the stem cells that you produce. And so, um, uh, you know, using things that work synergistically oxygen into the bloodstream, you know, the hyperbaric oxygen. Uh, so you're breathing uh, in pure oxygen mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then it's pressurizing. So it's pushing oxygen to parts of your body that might not get as much per se. So, uh, you know, a lot of injuries don't have a lot of oxygen going to it. So, you know, when you put stem cells in there, especially our stem cells that actually can survive in that low oxygen environment, uh, but then you add oxygen and give it more oxygen, just it's, it's, uh, helpful for those stem cells to, to do what we want them to do. So, um, you know, everything that we have is in place to potentiate, you know, the other things. And, uh, you know, even without stem cells, all of those treatments for a week, I mean, you're going to feel good. Yeah. You know, you're going to, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's healthy. It feels great to, to do those things. And you know, Scotty and I both, we both have ozone generators next to our bed. Uh, he's got two or three red lights in his room. I've got a five, five and a half foot by three foot panel next to my bed. Um, and, you know, we use a lot of these things uh, you know, in our day-to-day life just because it makes us feel so good and uh, it's overall healthy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at the, the list of athletes and the, and the board back here. I mean, what's the most common feedback you get from them that you're extending the longevity of their, their careers in the sport? Yeah, definitely. And just, um, you know, athletes that come down here, they say that they immediately get a boost up in their cardio, in their gas, uh, from the stem cells going yeah. to their lungs. Yeah. Uh, quicker recovery times. Uh, most of those guys up on their board are such high-level athletes, they don't take the recommended amount of time to see the <laughs> best results for healing old injuries. They're usually coming down here to avoid surgery or they got yes. a big, you know, <clears throat> just micro tears and things like that. And um, there's a reason why they all keep coming yeah. back, you know. Yeah. Like if it wasn't working, they wouldn't keep coming. Uh, we just had Rafael Lovato Jr. on his fourth trip down here. Um, we have a lot of guys that, that come big, down that here. a big dude. I didn't yeah. realize he was that big. Yeah. He's a big boy. How, do, do any of the athletes just come for preventative maintenance? Or have you not seen that yet? I'm trying to think. I mean, we do. I have, we have had guys that have come down like before they have like a big event. that uh, Kind of like Raphael's here right yeah. now. He's only doing IV instead of his joints. Yeah. Uh, he's fighting in, in uh, ADCC, the largest grappling event. Um, in the world coming up end of September. And uh, he just wants to, you know, to be able to work out a little harder, heal stuff up a little bit um, quicker. And yeah, we, we have people that come down uh, just for that too, yeah. And I know Scott, you and I have talked about, uh, you're coming from the, the veteran community with all the brain trauma, that you guys are actually you know, starting to go down the path of, of was it uh, spinal? Uh, stem to, to potentially yeah we, we actually uh, already treated some people uh, with the interthecal uh, injections yeah 
we, no we do that here. Yeah, we got one coming next uh, week uh, for somebody that is an older person who wants it uh, for preventative. Um, but yeah, we we done that. Plus, you you combine that with the, the HBOT training and yeah, know. yeah, and the NAD and everything else. Yeah, with with, with collecting the data, is, is there a, a long game approach here? I mean, are you guys eventually trying to, uh, you know, convince the United States to change certain policies or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's not uh, convince. We take our data and we submit it to the FDA. So we have our U.S. biotech company. Yeah. Uh, so you know we have our therapeutics. Um, you know we have a lot of innovations in what we do. Our, our partner Francisco Silva, lots of innovations, and uh, so the, the goal is to get this through the FDA process. So um, that's really yeah, that's that's the big goal. That that's got to be frustrating in a, in a way. In, in you, and I'm not putting words in your mouth saying the FDA is slow. It's just I'm assuming that is a that's a that could be a decade long fight before. Yeah, Maybe I, approvals I think request. it could be. I think that um, you know next year when we show how good we can collect the data and mm-hmm. we do a great job, which we should have to prove it. Yes, I think that some of our drugs will get uh, breakthrough status, and I think that we can. You know, we know, we know some people in the FDA; they're good people, and I think that we just got to show that we can do what we say we're going to do, and yeah, we're going right. to do that. And uh, you know, I'm optimistic about it. Really, I'm very optimistic about it that a lot of the people that I've met in the community from people in the FDA to NIH, et cetera, have been really good people. They're open-minded. They want people to do things right, but in some ways they get a bad rap. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to working with them, quite frankly. That's awesome. What would you say to uh, your, well, you know, I'm an average citizen now, uh, somebody who is maybe dealing with joint pain, um, a shoulder pain, knee pain, uh, what would you say to them rather than just sort of rushing in? Because it seems like you go to a doctor and the doctor's response is going to be, you know, let's, let's open you up. And sure. I mean, would you, would you tell I mean, me to give yeah, this I a wish shot I had stem cells before I did <laughs> yeah. my back surgery for sure. I, you know, as long as it's not a complete tear, mm-hmm. then what have you got to lose? I mean, surgery is so traumatic, you know, it's so traumatic. This is a couple little needles, uh, into your joint, you know, like it's, you're going to see in two days, you're not going to feel like anything uh, was done to you. I, I literally lay flat on my back for eight months post-back surgery. I got a giant scar this big yeah. on my on my back. And it was, you know, he always said that's that was like the turning point. You know what I mean? Like in my life, it was pre-surgery, post-back surgery. Like I just, everything changed. He went uh, gray after, like a month after his surgery. He, yeah. he started getting gray hair. It was the strangest thing. It was like that much everything. stress on his on my body, you know. Well, hey, rough. some chicks dig you know? <laughs> gray hair. I've got a little patch right here. My wife thinks it's hot. There you go. So oh, yeah. maybe you can help me out there. Um, it will look, talk to me about the the sort of post-STEM uh, sort of rehabilitation because ultimately you want to limit working out for about, <clears throat> what, six to eight weeks? Well, I think, you know, you, you any new inflammation you cause is going to take away from... The uh, localization of the... Right. Exactly. So, and just not drinking alcohol. The longer you can go without drinking alcohol, uh, the better. Don't don't pout that much. You can't be that, just, that hey, bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut back on my mimosas and uh, whiskey. <laughs> um, so, eight weeks. You just you take it slow. A lot of a lot of flex, flexibility, mobility training, and, and that usually results in the best outcomes. Yeah, no, I mean, no I heavy lifting. About at least a month, I would say. You know, no heavy lifting for, and it also depends what you're treating. Yeah. You know, so like when you're doing a back, you don't want to lift anything over your head that's going to cause pressure on the 
discs. You don't want to squirt any stem cells out. You don't want to, you know, cause any of that. You want there to be as much healing um, as possible. I did. I did physical therapy, although irregularly. I went to a physical therapist mm -hmm. just working here at the hospital. I didn't have a lot of time, um, and that made a big difference. So we always suggest, yeah, do light physical therapy uh, with it too. I don't. Anything you would add to that? No, it's just I've seen people that, especially with the the back injuries. Uh, they'll get their disc injected and a couple weeks in they're working out and they'll be my friend like hey I'll message them like hey why are why are you in the gym right now you know and uh, but um, and, and sometimes it'll take a little longer uh, for them to for them to get the, the effect but um, it's, it's just really take it easy you know, take it easy once you get these you know they're you're paying good money yes. you know let's might as well get the the full, the full possible effect. Yeah. And so, um, they give a, uh, the doctors give a sheet when you leave, like specifically week one, week two, all the way to, I think week six or eight. And, uh, you know, I would stick with what that sh sheet says for, for whatever you had done and, uh, you know, really stay focused on it. Well, a lot of your clients the biggest problem is people feel great. Yeah. You yes. feel so yep. good, but you haven't had the full recovery, yep. you know, yet. And you want to go back to doing everything cause you do feel so good. Um, but it takes, you know, it takes time for stuff to grow back. <laughs> yeah. Well, fellas, I can't thank you enough for having me out here and actually going through the treatment. I, I mean, dude, I can think of hundreds of my brothers within the, you know, special operations community that, that need to come out here, uh, just given the injuries, which are very synonymous with, with UFC fighters and stuff like that. I mean, it would, it would, it would pay dividends, uh, for them. What is the best way for people to... One, find you, and then two, start the process of talking to your your reps about coordinating a, a trip out here. Well, you know, first of all, thank you and all of your brothers for your service. We do have a military a service discount, you know. Um, both of us come from families that have military. And, um, you know, the easiest way is either, uh, you know, on Instagram or CPI Stem Cells. Uh, the website is cellularperformanceinstitute.com or just a click a button we offer a free doctor call uh, it's best if you have mris and stuff like that so the doctor can look at them but not necessary i can usually get you an mri cheaper down here <laughs> than your deductible is in the united states i was gonna say yeah and we get the results back yeah. you know if not same day then within 24 hours um so if you don't have one it's not the end of the world but it definitely helps um, but you will be getting one when you get down here and the doctors want to see exactly what's going on the day or two before they do the injections to make sure you get the best results uh, possible. What he said. No, yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, it's, you know, finding the, the website, looking at the testimonials from people that have done it, talking to other people that have actually mm -hmm. done it, doing your own research, looking at the treatments that we do. There's a, a big list. And then look at the science behind it. I mean, you can type in, uh, you know, NAD plus and for, you know, uh, brain conditions or, you know, uh, hybrid oxygen for wound healing or all of these things and really see how they work synergistically together and, uh, you know, make your own decision. If it's not us, we want everybody to get healthy. It might yeah. not be us. It might yeah. be something else. It's just like, you know, make that step to actually uh, make a positive you know, difference in your health. Well, guys, uh, definitely you guys are innovators. Uh, you're, you're helping people with their quality of life and, and longevity. So, uh, again, thank you. And for all the listeners, we will post all the information on the Cellular Performance Institute. Give it a look. Talk to one of the doctors. 
Thanks for joining us. This is the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. Until next time.